1: Hello and welcome to South Africa on 99.94. I'm Neil Manthorpe. My co-host is Lungani Sama. We've been uh, reviewing South Africa's first test match against Australia and the six-wicket loss, and now we're looking ahead to uh, the MCG, but also we're just uh, talking about South African uh, cricket in general. Um, If you get a chance, by the way, and you haven't already done so, do check out the Mitch Johnson show uh, on Australia. On 99.94, the former Aussie Quick talks about his life in uh, cricket and outside of it afterwards. Um, you can find it wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Thanks uh, for joining us once again here. Um, let me just ask you straight away then, Jums, um, because and here's the weird thing. I know I'm in Australia. I'm covering the talk. You should be asking me what changes do you think they'll make. And... <laughs> as you and i both know we've done enough cricket tours very often for a variety of reasons mostly because players talk to their wives and girlfriends back home and then news spreads back home more than it does on tour so it doesn't it's not as crazy as it may sound me asking you what changes south africa might make for the mcg
0: i don't think a single thing will change sadly yeah I don't think a single thing will change. I, I, I think there should be changes. I, I think there definitely should be changes, and um, they should definitely be looking at adding an extra batsman. And um, but I, who, who are you going to drop? That's the problem. There are there are there are people on the sideline that you know. De debran has made international hundreds, and he plays with more intent. Um but the question that they will ask themselves is who are you gonna drop him for? The cop out would probably be to drop Rassie van der Dussen, but that's one of your most experienced players, senior senior player in the team, um, because runs are the issue here. You know, we South Africa took sixteen wickets defending nothing. It's not the issue. Runs. Runs are the issue. Someone who's gonna come in and score big runs at the MCG. Um and you just, who are you going to drop? And, 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 and that they would rather shoulder arms as a selection team and, and not make those difficult decisions. I mean, we've just, we've just had South Africa and Australia for the T20 World Cup. They didn't drop and make any drastic changes there. And that's, that was in a knockout tournament with fluctuating match conditions and circumstances and, and needs. And they just never, they resolutely stuck to plan A. So I don't know why they would do that Change suddenly for a test series. Um, so, barring injury, I would absolutely not be shocked if the exact same eleven is trotted out on Boxing Day.
1: I'm trying very hard to disagree with you. I'm I'm digging deep, and I and I want to say no, Zam, surely not. But you know what? There's there's truth in what you say. Um, I I just. I wonder, I mean, having having already made the catastrophically silly mistake of dropping Marco Jansen in the series against England for the second Test match, I, I cannot believe that uh, they would make that mistake again. By the way, uh, he just reached 40 wickets. I'm not sure whether you saw any of my articles, but um, uh, he's got there... He, he's, he's paid the third cheapest price for his first 40 Test wickets in South African Test history behind... Vernon Philander and the man whose autobiography you wrote recently, Mike Proctor. But uh, Jansen's 40 wickets have come at just over 17 apiece. I mean, he's, he's phenomenal. He took a wicket in his first over in the first innings, two in his first over in the second innings. Terrific, terrific cricketer. Dean Elgoy, again, has said that um, he's loath to leave out Spinner, so Keshav Maharaj mm-hmm. will play. Um, the I guess the, the man who might make way if they want to play an extra batsman is Lunky Ngidi. Heinrich Klaassen, I think, has got some, a lot of backing, a lot of, a lot of support within the squad. Um, you know, he's one of those players who his, his peers, his contemporaries, they all look at him and go, no, <laughs> he is a proper player. I mean, you know, sometimes players appreciate the ability of their colleagues more than we do from the sidelines. I don't know whether they might be able to try and squeeze him in, but Tienes T- T- Brain is the, the designated. Uh, yeah. and, and also, I just wanted to say it's pretty tough to, to drop Temba Bavuma or Kaya Zondo uh, just on their performances in the first Test match. Neither of them looked like they were going to grab the, the game by the scruff of the neck. But, um, you know, Bavuma uh, made 38 and 29. They were tough runs again, like he always, the tougher the conditions. Um, the, the more likely he is to score runs. Now, 38 and 29 is never going to affect the course of a test match. But Zondo got a beauty second ball in the first innings and then top scored in the second innings with 36 not out. Like I said, they never looked like they were going to take the game away from Australia, but they certainly showed a good deal of fighting spirit. Well, here's the thing. You, you're
0: 1-0 down in a three-test series. If you have any designs on winning the series, you have to win the second test. So the team that you pick has to show the intent to win the test match. It's not enough to 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 grit it out, as Dean Elka said. It's, it's, it's not enough to make tough runs. You've got to make big runs. You've got to make match-winning runs. You've got to, you know, serious-turning runs. Um, so the approach... You, you can change personnel, but the first thing that's got to change, the most urgent thing that's got to change is, is the approach, the, the actual intent at the crease. I highly doubt that the MCG wicket is going to be anything like what Brisbane was. Um, and with that in mind, who are your players that are then going to take advantage of those conditions and, and, and bet big? Because if you do not, we can bet, I don't know what we can bet legitimately, But we can bet that there will be Australians who score hundreds at the MCG. If the wicket is flat, there will be Australians, whether it's Labus Kachni, whether it's Steve Smith, Kansi Warner failing twice in a row, given all the emotional upheaval that he's got. Travis Head looks in good form. There will be an Australian who scores a hundred, if not a couple of Australians who score hundreds at the MCG. Traditionally, that's what they do. So who's going to counteract that on the South African side? Because if you don't, that's the series is done by the end of the year the series is done you are fighting to avoid a whitewash you're back to where we were in the 90s so that's that's got to be the conversation how do we win the second test
1: well okay let's assume that it's not flat because um i i find it very hard to keep up to date with the details of the horticultural business of growing wickets as they do for the mcg they they grow them in a greenhouse out the back and then <laughs> and then you know the drop in pitches drag them in but um in recent seasons and certainly in the t20 world cup those drop in pitches were pretty bouncy not not seeming all over the place but they were they were quick and bouncy um so let's assume that it is going to be quick and bouncy but um, a lot truer and 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 not nearly as damp on the first day as it was at the Gabba. So therefore, I mean, by the way, if the test had gone into a third day, I think it, there is a possibility it might have become dangerous because the indentations from day one had started to dry out from the second afternoon, um, and certainly that contributed to the up-and-down bounce. But um, I still say at the Gabba, the two outstanding, outstanding fast bowling attacks and... Certainly on one side, an outstandingly weak batting lineup. And I think that if there had been two average international, and by average, I don't mean normal, I mean average South Africa uh, international bowling attacks and, and averagely strong batting lineups, I think it was a three and a half day test. And nobody would have been complaining then. But anyway, I digress. So let's say it's, it's on the quicker side of, of average at the MCG and there's a bit of bounce. Well, you asking the question how South Africa can win it? They only need another hundred runs. I mean, to have a chance, it's not like they, you know, wringing their hands and saying how can we get four hundred. The the blueprint is there. They scored two hundred or two hundred and fifty against India and won that series two one. So, if they bowled out for one hundred and fifty in the first innings, let's say they need another one hundred and fifty. Let's say let's say three hundred would be. Uh, you know riches beyond the imagination at the moment, if they get three hundred i 'm saying they 've got an above average chance of winning the game with with this attack with the, with the with the quicks if they score three hundred twice <laughs> let 's stick to the first innings for now
0: <laughs> well who 's going to make who 's going to make runs because we we almost conveniently forgetting that Australia have Stark, who's just got to 300 records. Pat Cummins, Hazelwood, Scotty Boland, back at the G, as they say, and Nathan Lyon, if there's any scraps to pick up. So, a pound for pound, their attack is every bit as good as South Africa's, if not better, and they're playing with 80,000 people paying for blood. It's It's an intimidating atmosphere. And if, you know, if you if you haven't faced it before, which a lot of that South African top order has not, which, ask, ask anyone. Ask Jacques Cullis. Ask JP Dermot. Ask, ask anyone. It's an intimidating atmosphere to walk out into and try and be positive and, 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 and stay positive. You might flash a few and get to 20 quickly, but then you've got you to gotta go, you know, because 30s, as we've said, are, okay, gritty, but they're not going to win you anything. Three hundred twice, because that's what you're going to need, bare minimum. You're going to need six hundred runs to have a chance against Australia. To have a chance, because their attack is just as good, if not better. But
1: I think you make it. And fair it's a point. stronger batting lineup as well. It's
0: a stronger batting lineup. More, more runs. More confidence. I mean, statistically, they've. You say South Africa. This is in a previous podcast. You said this is the weakest since 1930 in terms of hundreds scored. Australia have got two of the highest averages in the history of the game outside of Voges and Bradman, sitting at three and four. Good luck. Good luck. (laughs) They're not going to fail all series. So, cheapest. Um, But, you know, you make a good point about Lungingidi maybe being the one who is sacrificed because of all the bowlers, he's the one who sort of made the the least impression in that first test and clearly five bowlers is one too many when you have six struggling batsmen. So you you, you need help. Everyone needs to shift one down at least and face it honestly and say we kind of did get 16 wickets with really four bowlers. It's either him or Kesh and because, again, there's this mindset that you have to approach every game with a spinner. Even if you know it's not going to spin, if you're going to have a bouncy pitch, would you rather have Lunging or Keshe Maharaj? You know, <laughs> think about it. But if, if, if the recipe says, just like you have to put eggs in a cake, you absolutely have to have a spinner in your attack and doesn't matter where you are. If that's what you've decided, that's what you've decided clearly and Dean is rigid in that approach and he's not changing it. Forget that cash Ball two overs and went for 20 and didn't look anywhere near the cash that you know. No. You must have a spinner. It's that rigid approach which is half the problem. Because every now and then you have to take horses for courses and say, it doesn't look like cash is gonna. And doesn't make him a bad player. It doesn't look like this guy's gonna make an impression in this series because every time we throw him the ball. Whoever's at the crease has decided that they're not going to allow him to settle because they know we'll rotate our entire attack around him. So they're not going to allow it. They're going to force us to rotate our our quicks more and more and and, and hopefully by the second and third spell, they're not as lethal. Clearly, that's the strategy. So, you know, it's...
1: This is the thing. Okay, um, we'll take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to ask you about uh, David Warner and Kajiso Rabada. Hi, I'm Nikesh Raghani, commentator and host of the India on 99.94 podcast. Several times each week, my co-host Sarah Waris and I... We'll be bringing you the very best in Indian cricket chat. Whether we're discussing the legend of Julan Goswami, Kale Rahul's strike rate, the men's T20 death bowling woes, or the latest controversy involving the BCCI, we've got you covered. You can listen and subscribe via your usual podcast provider. Just search for India on 99.94. You can watch us via YouTube and you can download the 99.94 app. If you love Indian cricket, then join our conversation. Okay, welcome back. We're talking about uh, the second Test match coming up between South Africa and Australia at the MCG. Uh, But uh, also reflecting back on on the first Test match at the Gabba, the MCG Test match will be David Warner's 100th. He is most certainly playing in it um, because uh, the memorabilia has already been... I think they've already embroidered all the, the shirts the Warner 100 um, but uh, Rabada has dismissed him the last five times these two teams have played KG was asked in, in an interview after the Gabba chess match whether he thought he'd got David Warner's number and his reply was no comment but five times in a row and he got him first ball with a prearranged plan you know it was First delivery, bouncer in at the throat, fend to short leg, Zondo takes his first catch in test cricket. It was just, uh, well, from a South African point of view, it was thrilling to watch. I mean, it was just, it was, it was almost as obvious a plan as, as bouncing a guy and having him caught deep square on the boundary. Um, but, you know, from Warner's point of view and from Australia's point of view, it was um, quite the opposite. It wasn't thrilling at all. I think he's on his way, and Sam's. I think he's finished. He looks finished to me. Well, I, I will firstly
0: say that your reenactment of the Kaya Zondo catch does him a terrible disservice because he definitely didn't take it comfortably. <laughs> <a> <laughs> chest okay. height. All right. Let,
1: let me do it. Let, let me do it again.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he's 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 a smidgen taller than Temba, so everything he's got to reach for. <laughs> so it was not a straightforward catch. The, the, the the bowling was executed well, but Kaya had to, you know, it was a strong assist. Um, but yeah, look, wanna you know, people get old quickly in, 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 in top-level sports. And once your eye's gone and people have your number, and it's not just KG's got him. he In the Pakistan series, he went out in that fashion a few times as well. So that uncomfortable length, that sort of rearing at the throat, he'll know. He would have spent the last four days facing exactly that in the nets and just saying, bounce the hell out of me. I want to make sure that I'm ready. So he'll he'll know. He'll know. And the thing is, how many Australians have made hundreds on their hundredth test, especially at the MCG? He'll be chomping to, to make one last statement, whatever happens beyond this, because, again, the relationship that has been tempestuous for a number of years between him and Cricket Australia is is again sort of on the ropes Um, but he's played 100 tests and you know it's something that we spoke about before that a a player who initially came into the limelight on the back of what he could smash a a white ball all over the place and they said well you're too good to to, to go through the normal procedures of first class cricket for a number of years and averaging 50 and making all these hundreds we're just going to stick you in and see if you work that was on the same tour that Warner or, or, you know, burst into the limelight in that series that J.P. Dumini scored that 160 at the MCG. You look at the career that Dumini had with the start that he had and, and you look at the career that Warner's had um, it, it, and Dumini had had to wait years carrying water around the world, waiting patiently his turn. Australia just said, sorry, we're going to have to make room for you. That bold strategy that that that, that sort of allows... Players and makes them believe that you're good enough for this level. You'll figure it out. A hundred tests later, I think everyone would agree that that experiment has has worked. That boldness has worked, and and it probably has helped Australia win the definitely the, the the 2015 World Cup that they won. That's somebody who's a senior player in that team because of the belief that you gave in him right at the start. You just said you you are an international cricketer. Forget what anyone else says don't worry about jumping through all these hoops you are an international cricketer and that's what you'll play for us um I digress slightly but it's it's for all his troubles Warner has has played 100 tests for australia and and and, and won the matches around the world um, however many he's got left in the tank he's had a successful career and um, that's what happens when boldness of, of selection meets uh you know a player who, who plays with instincts because that's all he's ever done See ball, hit ball, ball, hit ball. So, you know, I, I, I do sincerely hope that David Warner fails again. Um, but, you know, over a hundred test career, he definitely has not been a failure for Australia. Um, and there's a lesson in that for South African cricket that I, I hope that they heed and approach the next generation of South African star in, 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 in a similar vein because... It works, clearly.
1: Just before we move on to the final section, I I wanted to ask you what you thought. Uh, You and I are both saying that South African cricket, the selectors, needs to really start changing their thought process or their thought patterns um, and, you know, not stick to the the way it has always been, or certainly for the last 30 years. Um, You know, and apart from A.B. de Villiers, our wicketkeeper... South Africa's weekkeeper has always been the guy who bats seven in in test cricket anyway. And, of course, when you had uh, when South Africa had Callis and de Villiers batting in the top five, they were basically playing a 13-man team. Um, the, you know, they, they had J.P. Dumini batting at seven, which was just a, an absurd luxury. And that's why they became number one in the world. One of the reasons, anyway. But So here's an interesting one for you. After the Gabba test match, in fact, no... After the first day of the Gabba Test match, I interviewed Carl Verena and said to him, "Now, now, the number six spot—is um, that, uh, that something you want to hang on to?" And he said, "No, it's one place too low." <laughs> he, yeah, so, like, he wants to—he wants to bat five, or four. Or five. He said, "I bat four for Western Province, for whom he scored a couple of double hundreds and averages fifty. So we're talking about the frailties of uh, the middle order. And are we bound by this old convention of the, you know, the keeper can't bat in the middle order, unless he is A.B. de Villiers. But, so, if he is one of our best players and is recognised as such, one of our best batsmen anyway, should we, could we, think about changing the dynamic and the structure of that middle order, putting Verena in there, because he's young, he's strong, he wants to bat there. It's a very different thing asking a keeper to bat at four or five if he if he's reluctant or, or even just not particularly keen. Verena would love to bat in the middle order. He thinks six is one place too low for him. And if that was the case, then we could have, like, Marco Janssen, who I genuinely think could be an excellent number eight. I still think number seven's a, a bit high for him. Um, so, you know, well... What do you you think? Is there merit in that thought? Of of course there's merit in the thought because he he scored
0: more runs than most of the people batting above him. The logic is wherever you bat uh, for your province is probably two places higher than you will in the national team because there's better players. But there's not really players putting better numbers. There's not really players batting with any more intent or quality than you are. Why should you be ushering in the tail and, you know, sort of batting this hybrid model of trying to survive but also trying to make runs um, and, and making a bunch of 30-not outs when you could come two down and you have a recognized batsman at the other end and you've still got, you know, the majority of the innings to look forward to? That's what he's saying. In his own way, without throwing any of his teammates under the bus, he's, he's, he's basically saying, I don't want to be batting in a crisis like Temba has for the last three, four years. I want to actually bat when I can still build an innings and and look to make hundreds instead of trying to rescue the innings from 40 for five, which is a fair point, but it points to a a, a bigger problem, which is no one around you scoring runs, no one above you scoring runs. So you always come into the crease, the ball is still newish and the top order has been blown away. So if you're coming in at 30 for five with a brand new ball, you might as well come in at 15 for two and... And and, and bats, at least with some recognised batsmen, at least for more of your innings. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, they tried it with Quentin de Kock for a while, batting him at four, and you know, juggling it around. Calvareno's got a, a more compact technique, um, and and he does he, he does have that hunger. He scores. I saw him score two hundred and fifty quickly, and quality. So he, he he can score runs, and and this is the thing. He is putting his hand up and saying, "I want to do it." there's, there's genuine reluctance and a, um, a fear almost of, of putting your neck out and saying, "Yes, I want to be that player." he's doing it. so why
1: not? Okay, well'll keep our eyes on that one. My program management uh, is I mean absolutely hopeless once again, so we're, we, we've still got uh, a little break to come, and then just two minutes, um, I've got a couple of more questions for you on this episode. whether it's missing flights or retirements out of the blue,
0: whether it's resignations or bans. As the old saying goes, there's never a quiet day in West Indies cricket. So make sure you listen to West Indies on 99.94 to stay up to date with all the latest fallout with the teams in Maroon.
1: All right, short final section, Sams. Um, And I want to know what's uh, going on at home because uh, we only have a short window when we can talk to each other and I can talk to my my friends and family back home. I've been out and about in Brisbane. <laughs> I've had three days. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, yeah, bizarrely, you know. I mean, by the time we got to schedule days four and five, it felt like I'd been on holiday. But I've, I've been out and about. I've got myself a new cap for my collection, the Valley District Cricket Club, which I think uh, is, is great. Like all good cricket clubs, they invited me to be a guest speaker at their end-of-year function. Um which I can't make, of course, but I've got the cap anyway. I, I want to know what's um, going on with the SA20. What's the atmosphere like? Um, we've got Christmas to come, of course, but then, and then it begins, you know, it begins 10th of January. So um, 70 million rand prize fund that was announced uh, the other day. We, we weren't given any breakdown, um, but that's, that's close to... Give or take small change in tax, that's that's close to five million dollars. I mean, that's um, that's substantial. That's not going to affect Josh Butler much. And he's being paid half a million to play pay for the Paul Royals, but for South African players, that I would imagine is a very considerable incentive. Well, it's four million, not not five. But I, I hear your point.
0: Um, they've got a title sponsor, title sponsor, and Betway. Um, yeah so I am still waiting to understand where the other wildcards are um, but maybe it's a Christmas surprise that will pop up suddenly um, but yeah a 70 million prize fund is, is is substantial you know really really substantial so I guess there's a title sponsor there's a broadcast partner there's teams there's international players and there's fixtures starting on the 10th, which I will be there for in, in Cape Town. Um, yeah, it, it looks like it's, it's all systems go, to be honest.
1: And the momentum is um, gathering. I, I have to say that uh, the, the PR machines, the social media machines for all six franchises, certainly four, um, have, been, have been rather good. There's been some really good little PR um, campaign, you know, little advertisements. And uh, I... I, I do you, any any word on how ticket sales are going? I mean, they're not quite giving them away, but um, they're certainly uh, charging not very much. Um, they're desperate to fill those stadiums. Uh, any word on how sales are going? My understanding
0: was that that first few games are just about sold out. Um, I see the the tickets for the final recently went up uh, on sale as well. Um, but I've not heard any definitive figures. Um, the accreditation process is open if if, if you missed that email. Um, uh, as long as you're not a photographer, um, obviously you can, you can apply. Um, so yeah, I'm <laughs> quietly excited. Um, the one good thing is that we're not creating teams out of nowhere. It's... It's extensions of established brands, which is heartening, um, and you can see, like you say, that the, the marketing and the PR is is slick because they've kind of done this before selling these these very brands. So I think it's just a not quite copy and paste, but following the same recipe. Um, and yeah, let's let let us start the the new year on a positive note, um, and and see how quickly. Look, if if that third test. Finishes in two days, which maybe is a strategy that we just didn't think of. Then every single star is going to be available because they'll just change flights, and all those guys will actually be home to rest, have practice, and then play that opening game if they play
1: in two days, as as they did at the Gabba. Sydney, oh, that would be interesting. I think South Africa will play two spinners, but we'll talk about that after Christmas. Have a fantastic Christmas, my dear friend. Um, I, I I'm flying to Melbourne on Christmas Eve. And uh, I'll I'll be South Africa. I think I've got a voluntary practice at 10 a.m. at the MCG on Christmas Day, uh, which I may or may not attend. But um, I'll I'll certainly be thinking of you, and uh, we'll talk again. I guess uh, either during, depending on how long it lasts, or after the second test at the MCG.
0: Well, Christmas will get to you first, man So 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 Merry Christmas, and travel safe, and uh, yeah, we'll speak to you in and around Boxing Day.
1: Will do. So thank you very much indeed for listening to South Africa on 99.94. Do please uh, rate, review and subscribe. Um, And uh, you can follow us, of course, um, on Twitter at at Neil Manthorpe and at uh, Whamzam17. At Whamzam17. Cheers to all of you. To those of you who celebrate Christmas, have a fabulous Christmas. And to those of you who don't celebrate Christmas, uh, enjoy the time off and the festive season and the holidays. Cheers for now. I think you say happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Quite right.
2: Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world and sponsored by Paddle 1969